0: net, or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth.
1: Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here today with Dennis Devlin. Thanks for joining us, Dennis.
2: Thank you for having me, Mike. Appreciate it.
1: Dennis runs a uh, a company called Consumer Clarity, an interesting name for a company.
2: Well, it's... um It's very descriptive of what the business is about. Mm -hmm. It is a marketing consultancy uh, that focuses on really understanding consumers more effectively so you can be a better
1: marketer. Mm -hmm. Okay. Before we dig deeply into what you do, let me tell our our listeners about some of the uh, future guests. Next week, we're going to have Jeff Mazzaro from the Still Metal Country Club. And the week of June 6th. We're going to have Joe Raver, the new CEO of Hildebrand, Inc., and those should be terribly interesting shows. Coming up here at Sandler, we have a, the next program in our Business Builder Series, which we're moving to the Still Meadow Country Club. It's called, Is Your Sales Team Holding Back Your Company? How to Build a Sales-Driven Organization and Team. That's Wednesday, June 4th from 11.30 a.m. for lunch the program starts promptly at 12, and it will go to 2 p.m. There's a cost of uh, $25 ahead, head. Uh, that, that program is selling out rapidly. The next special program that we're, we're sponsoring, uh, along with Frank Wood's program, Thriving with Stress, the Thriving with Stress program will be Thursday afternoons in July and August. And contact our office for further details, 753-9400. The... Really special, unusual program that we're going to be doing in July is at our July. On July 23rd, we're going to introduce the new Sandler Leadership Program, Lead- Transforming Leaders, the Sandler Way. I'm bringing Dave Arch, the author of the book, into Columbus, and we're going to get people through 52 visual lessons in personal and organizational effectiveness in one of two three-hour programs from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. or from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. Call our office. You can take an early bird discount up till June 1st. Again, 753-9400 in the 513 area code. Also in July, we are offering a cold call camp for sales teams that need to call on prospects that they've never talked to before. Build three fantastic scripts and five methodologies to break other people's voicemails so 80% of the time you get a call back within 24 business hours. Let's see. Let me go on to tell everyone about you, Dennis. You, you are the CEO of Consumer Clarity, a marketing consulting agency specializing in marketing to millennials, also known as Generation Y. Dennis recognized the consumer marketing as a thought leader, as an in-demand public speaker, and he's sharing his experience on effective marketing to millennials with companies and organizations. Additionally, Dennis is the author of a new blog, marketingtomillennials.com. That's just a blog, huh? Yes, it is. Okay. Dennis is a long-term member of the American Marketing Association, currently serves as the president of the Cincinnati chapter. American Marketing is a trade organization with 500 members and over 100 professional development events and programs each year for Cincinnati area marketers sometime we have to do a, an event for the American Marketing Association.
2: That would be great, Mike. There's,
1: there's only about 1,000 Sandler different programs. <laughs> in 2011 to 12, Dennis received Entrepreneur of the Year Award from the Legacy Center, which celebrates outstanding and entrepreneurial success. Dennis's professional purpose is to develop greater clarity in millennial consumer understanding, marketing strategy, and execution generates superior consumer brand experience that grows revenues for his clients? All of that only leads me to one question. (laughs) What's that like? Tell tell our listeners about how you got to this consumer clarity company. Um, You obviously don't look like you just got out of college. (laughs) No,
2: I didn't just get out of college, but I did go back to school to get my master's degrees um, only uh, 10, 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. So, my interest in millennials and marketing to millennials really started about eight years ago. I serve as an adjunct instructor to some Cincinnati area colleges and universities. And when I first started teaching as an adjunct, I recognized that millennials, um, and as you mentioned earlier, also known as Generation Y, uh, were really, they really operated differently in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And at about the same time, you would read a lot of articles and there were a lot of books out about how the fact you were going to have to manage
1: differently. So how do you manage t- millennials?
2: Right. So this segment, um, it was going to be different in the workplace. And I like to say I'm smarter than I look, that if they're different in the, in the classroom and they're different in the workplace, aren't they bound to be different in the marketplace? And so that's when I first became interested in learning how they were going to be different in the marketplace. Um, It's really been since eight years ago where companies have started to recognize the generational differences um, and the impact of the millennial generation um, on selling their their products and services.
1: So the millennials buy differently than the baby boomers?
2: They definitely do uh, for most categories. Um, There are differences um, by generation in terms of how they approach markets. Um, how they approach the marketplace in general, as well as how they respond to uh, different brands.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, can you characterize
2: that for our listeners? Well, the most obvious difference is around technology and how brands can now relate to, to consumers in a, in a different way. It's much more of a two-way conversation. That wasn't really the case, say, even five, ten years ago. When you're dealing with lar- uh, older generations, um, as a marketer, you could basically push out your message. In, in the case of dealing with millennials, it is much more of a two-way conversation. And in order to engage them, in order to get them interested in your product or service, you have to reach out to them and kind of pull them in so
1: that they will actually respond to you. Hmm. I think we'll have to uh, examine that a little bit more deeply in, in a few minutes. Uh, Dennis has agreed to take callers uh, from our audience. The call-in number is, as always, 646-595-4916, and we'll be able to screen those calls during the commercial breaks. Uh, So you said you're an adjunct professor at three colleges in the area?
2: Yes, I've taught Thomas More College Mm -hmm. at Northern Kentucky University,
1: as well as the University of Cincinnati. Okay. And what kind of courses do you actually teach there?
2: Primarily market research, but also introduction to marketing is another course that I've taught.
1: Mm -hmm. When did you actually form uh, Consumer Clarity?
2: It was in October of 2009. So Mm -hmm. I'm closing in on my fifth uh, anniversary business.
1: And how many employees do you have?
2: Uh, I am the employee.
1: I work as basically a virtual agency. Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: So I work with uh, a number of suppliers for different needs that the business has. Um, And I have at various times had uh, part-timers also working with me.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've heard it said that we have five generations in the workforce that it's difficult to manage to. Uh, You're you're looking at the buyer side of the table. That's right. Uh, What are the differences that a marketing company or company who wants to sell products or services has to deal with when they are attempting to reach those millennials.
2: But at a very basic level, it is really about understanding the consumer. Um, and I think that what I've found is that most companies have struggled with this. Uh, they struggle in understanding how millennials are different
1: from previous generations. Um, Maybe we should tell our listeners what age group the millennials sure. for. Sure.
2: Um, if you were to do sort of a Google search for um, uh, and, and try to find that out, you might get some variation in what the age range is. But the most accepted is about 16 years to about 34 years of age. Mm-hmm. And so you're typically talking about you know older uh, teenagers um, and young adults.
1: Mm-hmm. I was in a, a group like that uh, down at Centrifuge this week. And for some reason, one of the speakers said, how many of you are using iPhones? <laughs> and uh, probably 40 of the 45 people there raised up their iPhone. Again, if you have a question for Dennis, the number is 646-595-4916. We're going to uh, listen to Jimmy Fox tell us a little bit about Tip Club, which is a uh, national organization. I am the sponsor here in Cincinnati. The next Tip Club meeting, I believe, is June 19th. Jimmy, why don't you take it away?
3: I'm Jimmy Fox of Tip Club. Tip Club is a professional networking organization whose members help each other succeed. We meet once per month and provide a forum where business-to-business professionals are able to connect with more desirable opportunities and build long-term strategic partnerships. I'm inviting Cincinnati Business Talk listeners to come to our free networking event. You'll have the opportunity to meet new people, share leads and referrals, and grow your business through strategic alliances. Membership in our Cincinnati group is open to only one person per specific trade or occupation. Business-to-business professionals only, please. We do not accept multi-level marketing or recruiting-driven memberships. This is our only group in Cincinnati. We'll meet on the third Thursday of the month from 7.30 to 9 a.m. at Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, 4357 Ferguson Drive, Cincinnati, Ohio. To reserve a seat... Please go to www.tipclub.com and click on the Events tab at the top of the page. Then, just scroll down the list until you come to the Cincinnati event. Or you may call 800-798-0270. That's 1-800-798-0270. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you at our next networking event.
1: This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Dennis Devlin, Consumer Clarity. Uh, Dennis, why don't you tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you after the show if they have questions. Sure. They can uh, call the
2: Consumer Clarity phone number at 513-448-4170. They can also email me directly at Dennis.Devlin at ConsumerClarity.com. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Dennis, you started the company six years ago, Uh so you must have some success. How do you go to market with your own services?
2: Well, a very targeted approach, Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, I have really focused my efforts primarily with two different industries. These are industries that have traditionally been very focused on understanding consumers very deeply. Mm-hmm. And they're really among the industries that have been most attuned in recognizing the need to understand millennials better. And those are retail. Mm-hmm. as well as consumer products manufacturers.
1: We have a few of those in Cincinnati. We
2: do have a few of those in Cincinnati. Um, that, that's correct.
1: Absolutely. But does the the business extend far beyond Cincinnati? Oh, it's
2: a national organization. So, no, I have clients throughout the country.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you do any work uh, with industrial companies?
2: Um, rarely. Um, I, I think that what we'll see over time um, is more, uh, more of a diversity of the types of companies that are going to be interested in understanding millennials as consumers. Um, it's just the consumer, manufacturer, consumer product manufacturers and retailers are more cutting edge, I guess, in terms mm-hmm. of their interest in that uh, segment. But I, I, I'm sure over time that will change.
1: Mm-hmm. Why do people, uh, these consumer package companies, uh, contract with you? Consumer clarity.
2: It's really about the focus. It's about the specialty, um, the, the niche that I'm uh, operating in. There are not very many companies that are this niche focused. Mm-hmm. Um, there are obviously a lot of agencies that can do some of the work that I do, but um, they can't be as nimble um, as I can be in terms of being responsive
1: mm-hmm. to their needs. Uh, can you give our listeners an example of the difference uh, the way you would market to a baby boomer as opposed to a Gen Y.
2: Well, you you really do have to engage them um, much differently than um, you know a baby boomer.
1: Let's pretend you were selling cars.
2: <laughs> if I was selling cars,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, well, some of the car uh, car uh, manufacturers have, you know, auto manufacturers have reached out to to um, to millennials.
1: Um, Is that the Cyan brand, brand at uh, Toyota? <laughs>
2: um one among several um that are really trying to focus on uh being more targeted toward millennials the the challenge for automakers actually is that um a lot of millennials are not uh running out to buy cars uh they're very um you know there's some certainly some interest in, in being environmentally conscious and um sometimes you know you know the gasoline issue um, really keeps them from really wanting to jump out and, and, and you know buy into a car, but um, but they ha- they have to engage them a lot through social media, for example, in an effort to engage them in a conversation about what their needs and wants are um, in terms of features uh, mm-hmm. of, of the vehicle.
1: Yeah, um, when you say social media, do you really mean social media as opposed to email?
2: I am talking about social media as opposed to email. That's correct. Um, email actually is kind of. Um, a, a, a dying avenue um, in
1: order to reach millennials. I think it's dying trying to reach anyone. <laughs> well, that's 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 true as well. I mean, during today's radio show, uh, an hour period of time or so, I'll probably get hit with uh, 30 emails in my direct inbox and 125 in my junk email box. But even the ones in junk, I have to quick scan to find out if a new prospect or client wanted to talk to me. Sure. So... Email is becoming very diffi- extremely difficult to manage
2: yes it it has but it it's um it's seen as kind of now you know somewhat antiquated among most millennials
1: mm-hmm. and w- which uh, of the social medias would millennials prefer to communicate with
2: well, I think it depends a little bit on um what age segment within the, the full generation we're referring to
1: so let's go from the uh the 21 or 22s up to the uh, 34s. So those, was that the group of the, the subsection with the most buying power?
2: Well, yes. As as you age through from, you know, 16 to 34, your chances, obviously, of increasing your buying power also increase with the age increase. But, um, you know, a lot has been done on Facebook. Uh, we are seeing a little bit of a challenge with reaching millennials through Facebook. But it's still, it's still a powerful medium in order to reach them. Um, certainly Twitter has continued to grow over time. Mm-hmm. So uh, there, are, there are some others as well that uh, brands are trying to utilize. Um, a lot of the social media uh, avenues that include pictures, like Instagram, um, video, like Vine, and things of that nature are being found as very appealing Those in terms of attracting.
1: Those little six-second work.
2: They can work, absolutely can.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Twitter, I assume you mean with hashtags. Yes. Because without hashtags, the stream of stuff coming out is way too much. This is true. Um, Okay. Uh, Coming as a marketing agency, what is your unique marketing advantage?
2: Well, I think it's mostly around the the, the niche focus. Um, Um, As I mentioned earlier, there's not too many companies that are really specializing in this area. Um, We do see some agencies that do, do have some focus with regard to generational marketing, mm-hmm. but not necessarily one that specifically addresses one particular segment,
1: as mm-hmm. I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in your opinion, what are the opportunities and possibilities for your company? Well, I, th-
2: I think they're tremendous, quite honestly. Um, there is a growing uh, expectation that this particular generation will continue to increase in terms of buying power, companies are sort of getting on board with understanding that they need to learn more about millennials and and how millennials kind of respond
1: to their product category and how do they respond to their brand specifically. Can you give us an example of a company that you think has responded exceptionally well?
2: Well, there's a, there's a number of them who have, um, I think the most, um, maybe relevant kinds of examples to maybe your listeners would be in the quick service restaurant industry. Mm -hmm. Um, The the companies like Taco Bell, for example, or KFC, putting out certain kinds of products that are really tailored toward attracting millennials. Um, They're uh, very focused on convenience um, and very focused on providing um, a variety of different flavors, um, which is something that millennials are very attuned to. They want something a little different, a little unique. Uh, They want to be seen as, as special, um, and they want companies that they're you know buying from to share you know to show that they are special.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, can you give us some examples of a company or types of products that have done that really poorly? <laughs>
3: well, probably well, aren't any. I, I hate, well,
2: yes, there are. Um, one of the things about marketing to millennials, uh, from a company standpoint, from a marketer standpoint, is you have to be authentic. And um, some companies try to put sort of a um, a, a face on, you know, maybe a, a, a new product to, in an effort to try to appeal to millennials, but it may not necessarily work. What do you um, mean by a face? Well, with like product design, if you char- change the packaging, suddenly um, it's meant to appeal to, uh, to millennials, but pretty much the same product. Mm-hmm. Um, Cracker Jack, uh, actually. That is an old product. That is an old product who was trying to obviously uh, basically come out with an updated product. Um and the product was like i think it was called cracked um you know <laughs> uh, oh, cracked, yeah, yeah, well, you know it was trying to get kind of uh you know on ed- kind of edgy mm-hmm. and that apparently did not work very well for them mm-hmm. um because it really did it it wasn't authentic to their brand mm-hmm. which is yes it's a it's kind of an old time brand it uh, has a lot of prestige from long ago, but um you know again, changing the packaging and and it was something that just didn't work for them.
1: Okay. Uh, what do you think uh, manufacturing companies and packaged goods companies should be looking for now in uh, an agency to handle marketing to the segments that they they market to?
2: Well, I think they have to look for. Um, an agency that is going to be responsive to um, the specific objectives that they're trying to meet. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really ends up coming down to, you know, what what the objectives of a particular campaign are or, or a particular marketing program is, um, and making sure that when they're when they're vetting agencies that the response from those agencies uh, or the agency that they end up selecting is one that's going to be responsive to meeting those objectives.
1: Mm-hmm. So uh, let's take a hypothetical and go out to and say, uh, what do you think the manufacturer of a refrigerator uh, should do to market to these millennials?
2: They have to understand, you know, the, the segment well um, and how they go about making buying decisions around appliances. Uh, you know, with refrigerators, you know, I would think that of the millennial segment overall, mm-hmm. uh, that they would probably want to target most of their efforts around young families. Um, they probably could could focus their efforts a little bit more geared toward uh, attracting that part of the of the generation.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, should they do anything towards uh, new colors or or sizes or designs for the millennials?
2: Well, I think a lot of it ha- will have would have to do with utility. Um, useful is is really important for millennials. And so we think about refrigeration uh, and a refrigerator as a product to sell to millennials. It's going to be about how functional it, it really is. Um, so an effort would need to be made to doing some research among millennials and really understanding what are those kinds of features that are going to bring forth the most utility. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh- in the area of cars, would millennials favor uh, all-electric cars like the electric smart car or the Tesla?
2: Well, I always uh, caution against all or never or
1: <laughs> mm. um, or no one. Um, but I think a great uh, brand preference towards electrics.
2: Yeah, uh, there's definitely interest in um, in electric cars um, and hybrids. You know that are obviously a little bit more um, in the market now.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, good. Uh, Again, Dennis has agreed to answer questions. You can call in on 646-595-4916. We'll listen to a couple of Sandler commercials. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. You've heard our commercials about sales and sales management, but you haven't made the call for some reason. Maybe you're having your best year ever. Maybe you think a sales development company won't work in your industry. You're different. I wish I had a nickel for every time I heard that. Maybe you're afraid that if you called, you'd buy something. If you're happy with all your sales and profits and believe you have all the answers or simply don't see yourself investing in yourself or your people, then don't make the call. We have nothing for you. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, mentoring business owners and sales professionals who are serious about their careers. So if you believe that Sandler Sales Training might make you better, faster, meaner and stronger, call me at 513 646 6523. Or register for our next open house, Roth & Associates, the most experienced sales trainer in Cincinnati. You can check us at www.rothconsulting.net. Imagine you just left your prospect's office and he now has your proposal, quote, or estimate. What do you suppose he's going to do with that valuable information that you just gave him for free? Call you tomorrow with an order? Get real! He's shopping it around to the competition. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates. I'm the most experienced sales trainer in Cincinnati. I'm constantly amazed how salespeople operate. They believe a prospect asking for a proposal means the sale is as good as closed. Face it, trained prospects will turn you into an unpaid consultant. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, training, and challenging professionals who are 100% committed to long-term sales growth and profitability, no matter what it takes. If you're deadly serious about increasing sales, call me at 513-646-6523. Find out how Sandler Training can make you better, faster, and stronger. Or register now for our next open house, 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. This is Mike Roth and Dennis Devlin. Uh, Dennis, you've been running your own show for the last six or seven years. Uh, Perhaps you could give our listeners a leadership tip from your perspective. Sure,
2: Mike. Uh, I'd be glad to. So I think that, you know, one of the things that I learned very early on and and have continued to uh, really reap the benefits from from learning this is um, as someone that's leading, uh, you know, his or her own business, it is about really working, spending as much, you know, as much time as possible working on your business as working in your business. Uh, Really recognizing that you have to develop leads, um, develop the business, um, not just do the work that's associated with your business.
1: Okay. Uh, and, and how do you develop leads in your business?
2: Um, a number of different ways, actually. Um, I do a lot of public speaking, as you mentioned at the beginning of the program. Uh, I've spoken across the country um, on the topic of marketing to millennials. So I definitely get a lot of idea, uh, you know, a lot of leads from that. Um, I also uh, do a lot of uh, a lot of networking, uh, a lot of focus with regard to that. Um, obviously specifically targeting companies that are consumer product manufacturers and, and retailers, as I mentioned earlier.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, have you written any books?
2: I have not written any books. I've been involved in um, sort of a development of a booklet that was um, related to marketing to millennials. Um, I also go to a lot of conferences as well and pick up leads that way.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, are there any differences that you see in leading Millennials. I'm sorry, in leading millennials? Right. Uh, you, as, as employees? That's right.
2: Oh, okay. Um, well, you, you know, as I mentioned earlier, there, there has been a lot of articles written about um, – there, there's a certain expectation, I think, that comes with folks in this generation, um, an expectation to, to have opportunities uh, much earlier than maybe previous generations thought was, was really possible for them. Um, the desire to move up the uh, sort of the corporate ladder, if you will, to, to gain additional responsibilities, the, the time frames that millennials are willing to wait is much shorter, I think, than, than previous generations. You know, as a result of that, you have to balance a little bit, giving them opportunities, um, but at the same time, you want to make sure that they don't make mistakes or at least don't make mistakes that are going to really impact your business in a negative way. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you give them more and more opportunities to, to grow and develop um, as employees in the business, but recognize that they still are on a learning curve, and they still have to gain some of that experience along the way.
1: Mm-hmm. Should companies develop a, a website specifically for millennials, or can one website serve all generations?
2: Yeah, that's a really great question, Mike.
1: Um, I been accused
2: of that a lot. Um, You know, it really depends a little bit on the business. Uh, I think that if it's a company that primarily has products that they're trying to reach this 16- to 34-year age range, then it makes sense just to stay with one that's, that's pretty much targeted toward that group. If you're selling a product that you really are looking for, you know, buyers from across generations, Um, Should they really have one that's focused, you know, specifically on millennials? I think it's more about how you would break out the different kinds of products you're selling and maybe have something that's tailored toward millennial segment and maybe, you know, kind of lead them to a certain area of the website as opposed to necessarily having a separate, a a totally separate website. Um, You know, setting up certain landing pages that are uh, really uh, you know, focus on a particular product. that Does your, com-
1: be- Does your company do that kind of work for clients?
2: We do. We do that and, and a whole lot more. I'm, I'm what is referred to as a custom uh, provider. So I go in to talk with companies and I will develop, based off of whatever objectives they are, a certain, say, research design, if it's about understanding or uh, developing a, a specific kinds of marketing strategy, if, if that's what's needed. Um, so everything is tailored toward the specific business or marketing issue at hand for that company.
1: There's been a lot of talk over the last 10 years about the world being flat for marketing (laughs) and sales. Uh, Is there any substantial difference uh, in marketing to Generation Y in Europe or uh, the Far East as opposed to America?
2: Well, there are nuances that are, are different regardless of what country we're talking about and honestly regardless of generation. There's always going to be some cultural issues um, that play into marketing to a certain segment of the population. Um, you know, Interestingly, one aspect of my business um, has a focus on Hispanic millennial marketing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I've spoken at, at uh, Hispanic uh, Retail Summit 360 last year, for example, in Las Vegas. Um, and the, the whole um, conference was around marketing specifically to Hispanic millennials and there are issues even with that. Just as an example, where millennials that are of Hispanic origin, they have kind of an uh, an issue with the fact that they're both Hispanic and a millennial, and they don't really necessarily separate the two. They they are a composite of both of those. And so, you as a marketer, you know, trying to market to this particular, you know, this particular segment of millennials. You have to be conscious of both aspects.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Is there a difference between East Coast and and West Coast marketing for two Hispanic millennials? Uh,
2: I think there are some nuances that could could probably be pulled out um, and and highlighted, but for the most part, there's not a lot of difference
1: there. Mm -hmm. Okay, Uh, that's good. Uh, So when you develop a website for a company for millennials, you employ millennials to do that on purpose? <laughs>
2: I do work with, uh, yes, I mentioned earlier about working with part-timers. Um, and so I usually utilize my contacts at the different universities where I teach. And so uh-huh. I bring in students, and yes, there is a method to my madness. Uh, there is a purpose for doing that. Um, I, I enjoy mentoring generally. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I like kind of uh, kind of working with uh, younger adults Um and kind of sharing with them some of what I've learned in terms of marketing. But there's a, there's a real benefit to the business to have millennials involved because you can get additional input and insight from the fact that you're employing millennials on the work you're doing.
1: Right. I, I was at a uh, membership development meeting at the Rotary Club yesterday, and uh, you're more than welcome to, Dennis, come down to the downtown Rotary Club. Uh, where we want to bring more millennials into the club, mm-hmm. and we looked around the room at the uh, people on the committee, and uh, clearly the the age group was a lot higher, right. and then someone uh, stepped up and said, "Well, the average age of the people in rotary is sixty
2: five
1: mm-hmm. uh, well that 's because a lot of people don 't drop out. you know <laughs> We <laughs> lost a guy uh, about two weeks ago he was ninety one. Been a member of the club for forty-five years, <laughs> so once people join, they tend to stay. So that drives the average age up. And sure. we, we said that we have to find a couple of millennials in the club <laughs> to put them on the committee right. to, to change the perspective. That's right. Got to reduce that average age.
2: Uh, well, a lot of organizations and a lot of companies, um, particularly with like like iconic brands, we have uh, you know some of those here in in uh, Cincinnati, um, and with that you know, there are sometimes some challenges that they face because they may have been very successful with older generations, but now those older generations are leaving us, wow. <laughs> literally leaving us. And as a result, they're starting to recognize the fact that they are going to have to, you know, sort of change how they do things because the perception is this particular restaurant, this particular company, this particular, these particular brands are not for me. They're, you know, from a millennial standpoint, and there are a couple
1: of restaurants that have gone out of business because they were perceived as old people's restaurants.
2: Absolutely, um, and and so you can't really rest on your laurels for, mm-hmm. for many of many of the different
1: kinds of, particularly
2: consumer based kinds of companies. You're going to see a lot more of that over time, where where restaurants are are just fading away because they haven't made the adjustment. Um, they just haven't learned how to effectively market to those folks. And overcome maybe an existing image that really is that I'm that they're about an older generation mm-hmm. that they're for my parents, if you will, from a millennial standpoint.
1: Uh, what restaurant chain would you say is giving the image that I, I am I am for millennials?
2: Well, uh, the, some of these quick service restaurants I think are doing a good job.
1: And you mentioned Taco yeah, Bell earlier,
2: right? So you know what you typically see. Um, you know, if you're if you're really kind of following millennial marketing, millennial research is uh, some of the quick service restaurants are recognizing the fact that uh, not only are millennials, you know, impacting the bottom line from their own purchases, but they also are impacting their parents' purchasing behavior as well. That's particularly true in technology. And you can just imagine, you know, a lot of, uh, old, you know, a lot of baby boomer parents, you know, are out looking to buy some new technology, for example. And they're, they can benefit from typically a- asking their millennial, you know, uh, children, you know, what are their thoughts, what are their recommendations, what are their suggestions in order to buy, you know, the best product for them. So so millennials are influencing not only their own purchases, but also their parents' purchases as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, c- I could see that uh, very well. Dennis has agreed to uh, take questions from our audience. If you have a question, you can call in on 646-595-4916. And I think what we're going to do here is listen to a San LaRue. We'll listen to San Rule number four with Gary Harvey.
4: Hi, I'm Gary Harvey with Sandler Training. I'm here to discuss with you today Rule Number Four: A decision not to make a decision is making a decision. Have you ever yourself have you gone out shopping for something? You'd had a salesperson show you whatever it is you're looking for. And you really have an interest to buy, but you're not really sure. Flip side, you may actually realize you really don't want to buy it, but you don't want to hurt their feelings. So you use the most proverbial words in sales that salespeople don't want to hear, but they're willing to accept, called the proverbial "think it over." I'm a firm believer in all the salespeople that I have coached throughout my career that that really is a code for the word a slow no. I had a client recently that was proposing a fairly large project to a prospect. prospect said, gee, you looked interesting, we have a lot of interest in what you're offering, and by the way, we really like you. So one of the things that made him feel like I've got it, so they said, let us get back to you the next week, but this looks really good, but we do need to think it over. We're a firm believer at Sandler Training that if it's going to be a think it over nine out of ten times, it's going to be a no, but they don't want to tell you that. We're also firm believers that if it's going to be a no, we all know this intellectually, don't we? We want to know right up front, but emotionally we don't want to hear those words. So plant your feet, stand your ground, and be willing to say to a potential client, with all due respect, Mr. and Mrs. Prospect, that decision not to make a decision really is making a decision, and it's a no in my world, and it's okay to tell me that.
1: This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Dennis Devlin from Consumer Clarity. Uh, Dennis, uh, we have a a theory of operation here at uh, San Training by Roth & Associates that simple solutions to complex problems are invariably wrong. Perhaps you could share with our listeners a complex problem that you've run into at Consumer Clarity with the equally complex solution that people might be able to move from one industry to another.
2: Yeah, that's... um... (laughs) Yeah, I don't, there's lots of problems that are complex that, that I face. Um, you know, I think that, you know, dealing with companies and, and trying to convince them that that they need to be looking at millennial consumers um, is, has been a, has sometimes been a, a significant challenge. Um, that's why I really have become much more focused with specific, you know, industries. Um, but, you know, I'm, I consider myself an educational marketer, if you will, with regard to the sales process and recognizing that I need to share with them some persuasive arguments in terms of convincing them that they need to, they need to look at this segment for the betterment of their business. Um, so in, in doing so, um, I've had to try lots of different ways in order to convey the importance of this segment. And it, it's not something that, that really comes, you know, easily for really anyone to persuade somebody to buy when they're not um, along, you know, further, for, far enough along down the sales funnel, for example.
1: And so... Now here I, at Sandler, we believe that people uh, need to discover that they want to buy and then get out of your own way and let them, let them have it. No, no question about it. No question about it. hmm You've run the company for six years. Dennis, what motivates you to make tough decisions? Uh,
2: uh, Well, I I think you have to make tough decisions
1: in order to to move forward. Have you ever fired a client?
2: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, You know, I think that's one of the advantages, if you will, of running your own business is you can decide who you want to work with and who you don't. And uh, while it's very easy, you talk about, Tough decisions, easy decisions. Uh, it can be a tough decision when you're starting out a business and saying, "No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to go after, you know, chasing money, if you will, that might be available if it's somebody that you don't want to work with or a company that you don't want to work with."
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you know, there are three components to growth: people, process, and strategy. Which one's the most important for you?
2: I think it's really about strategy. I'm at my whole business is really related on strategy.
1: Um, you know, because
2: we're focused on a particular segment of the population, um, you have to understand them, um, which is very basic to, to really being prepared to, to do the strategy um, in order to be effective with them, and then taking that strategy and then converting that into a marketing program or marketing campaign that's going to work with this particular segment. So my whole, um, my whole business is wrapped around strategy.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Do you have a a long-term strategic plan for your company, Dennis? Uh, Grow, grow, and grow some more. Grow, grow, (laughs) and grow some more. Okay. I mean, it's not like a plan that says we're going to grow 5% a year or 25% a year.
2: Well, you know, I really am um, very insistent on managed growth. Um, You know, I want the business to continue to build over Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'd really like to see the business, you know, eventually get to, you know, maybe a 25 to 30 employee consultancy. Uh, our agency and um, and still be focused on what we're focused on today. Um, you know the thing about the millennial consumer, in part from from our business, my business's standpoint, is you know we're continuously learning more about this millennial consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, we will probably never completely know everything we'd like to know about the millennial consumer. Um, we are literally learning new things each week and and sharing that knowledge with our with our clients and with our prospects in order to engage them. So, you know, with that there's a growth in knowledge that that's going to come I think with the growth in the business.
1: Mm-hmm. What are the top 3 things you need to change to build your business to that size over the next few years?
2: Well, I think some of the challenges are, are like any other business's challenges. Um, you know, you always want to have that consistent cash flow. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's good. You, yeah, you like you like to have some money to work with, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, lead generation is is obviously always a challenge, and because I'm very um, defined in terms of the target that I'm going after, you know, you always want to make sure you have enough in the pipeline. Um, you know, I think if uh, if I was to talk about a third challenge in order to continue to grow, it's about building that team around me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have been very fortunate. Um, I do, a, I think, a pretty good job in terms of vetting who I who I work with. But you know, in terms of building an employee base, um, you know, you want to have the right kinds of employees that are going to help help you build that business. So you know, I'd probably characterize it in those three areas.
1: Mm-hmm. Your shelves are probably going very well right now, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, how are you doing in terms of? Taking away business from your competition and growing your market share.
2: Well, you know it's um, because I'm not a very an extremely large business. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily have to have all the largest projects, right? So when I'm going into a large um, company, and that's who I'm typically working with. You know, these are recognizable names that, of companies that I've worked with. So you know, I go after um, a piece of their their marketing budget. Um, not a, a necessarily a large piece. It can be a fairly small piece. I am, obviously, because you're coming in new, you're taking potential business from other, other folks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm because there's not a lot of companies that do exactly what I do, I'm typically uh, battling large agencies. Mm-hmm. And so my competitive advantage against a large agency is really about being able to be very nimble, being able to work directly with them they they don't get passed off to a junior account executive, for example
1: you're the principal
2: yes, they're going to work with me, and so there's that advantage. I don't have the overhead that a larger agency has, so I can you know they can save some on, on costs with, with uh, working with consumer clarity as opposed to a larger agency. I'm, I'm taking work away from, from larger companies when I go after a company.
1: Do you ever partner with other agencies?
2: I do um, for specific work. Because of the niche focus, there are some agencies that, you know, just don't have an expertise in that area. Mm-hmm. And so I, there are times where I can certainly, um, you know, partner with them and, and work closely with them. I do have a couple of uh, agencies that I work with on a regular basis. Mm-hmm.
1: Is there any uh, difference in media buy or, or or how you would spend your marketing dollars uh, for millennials versus uh, Generation X or uh, baby boomers? Oh, sure. Um, So just in terms of media
2: usage, um, millennials are far less likely to watch television. You know, they may watch TV shows, but they usually watch them, you know, over the Internet or through things like uh, Roku, um, things of that nature. So, you know, trying to go through uh, regular broadcast television in terms of buying uh, commercial time or air, you know airtime for commercials not probably the best investment. Mm-hmm. Um, they're certainly they do a lot more reading on the internet as opposed to you know reading newspapers in terms of hard copy newspapers.
1: Do the ads on the internet work reaching millennials?
2: Well, the, they tend to tune them out a lot more.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so you can't you have to be real careful about how you utilize advertising when it comes to appealing to millennials. They have a general distrust of companies and of brands, Mm -hmm. and they don't like the idea of being sold to. And so there is sort of a partnership, uh, a relationship you want to build with millennials in order to engage them. And then you have to continuously have that two-way dialogue, and you have to continuously work to make sure that you're appealing to what their needs are.
1: You mentioned that two-way dialogue earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, How does a company initiate a two-way dialogue with the uh, millennial generation?
2: Right. Well, social media is is really the best way to engage them in that regard. Um, You know, you have to not just uh, send out messages about your brand or about your company, but also include in that messages around things that are going to be important to millennials and what is the company or the brand involved in, that millennials can, can really relate to. So in other words, you might have a situation where a brand um, focuses some of their efforts on um, you know, just doing well for, for, for people. So uh, Procter & Gamble's Tide brand, for example, um, they, they did some work with regard to uh, a number of years ago with Katrina cleanup, mm-hmm. and um, that was something that really did appeal to millennials is the fact that the brand was engaged in that kind of support of the community down in the New Orleans area. Okay. Um, brands have to look at, you know, what's important to this generation? What can we do as a brand to help support what their values are mm-hmm. and and get involved and let millennials know that they can also get involved as well? And that's where it starts to become sort of that two-way conversation. It becomes a relationship, which is a whole lot different than how companies and brands used to engage uh, consumers.
1: Mm-hmm. In the past, it was by uh, having a great spokesperson and running a lot of TV ads yeah, or radio just, ads.
2: We used to be able to push out our messages, and they just had to take it. <laughs> um, and really, more.
1: The feedback channel that millennials use to reach these companies, is that exclusively through uh, feedback on the web and social media? Yeah,
2: social media is certainly driving a lot of that
1: so, so the brands are actually monitoring their facebook pages and their they If they're campaigns. smart
2: they are <laughs> yeah uh yes yeah. so, and for the most part a lot of you know companies are doing that you know fairly well but it's a le- it's a learning process i think for a lot of companies
1: mhm and the companies uh actually have employees that are tasked with monitoring these pages
2: you know it, it's um, kind of funny that you mentioned that or or asked that mike because um, I actually just came across something about a week ago related to that, that there are more and more companies uh, basically employing social media managers uh, or community managers that do, uh, that. that's like their whole job.
1: Their whole job. <laughs> their is. whole
2: job is about making sure that there is that two-way conversation and that if there are issues that come up, um, where maybe a millennial is is pointing out something that the company can be such so much more reactive uh, and proactive in some cases uh, to the you know to that issue at hand.
1: Good, good. Uh, is that something that companies should farm out to an agency a, a consultancy like yours, or is it better to be kept inside?
2: You know, it's actually better to be kept inside. Really? Um, yes, it is. Um, who can speak more about the company and what the company can do and and what the company is about than someone that's employed by the company. Um, But the thing of it is a lot of companies don't have the resources to do that um, or don't want to invest in somebody in-house to do that. Um, I I actually do think it's better to do that in-house if they can.
1: Good. Dennis, any uh, final thoughts for our listeners?
2: Well, I, I simply want to share, I think, that The thing about millennial consumers is they really have been the impetus for a a real significant transformation in marketing. Um, Marketers can no longer push out their messages and push their products uh, as easily, maybe, as they used to be able to do. Um, When you're marketing your products or services now, you have to understand millennials and understand better how they respond to your particular product uh, product category or service category and then strategize in order to meet that understanding.
1: Dennis, I want to thank you for being on the show today with us. Uh, We've just about run out of time. I'm giving you a copy of uh, one of my new books for Sandler, uh, Lead When You Dance. Uh, I put the compilation together. It's a uh, brand new book came out last month, and uh, inside there, there's a uh, copy of the Sandler training calendar. Uh, Pick any class you want. There's a free training pass in there, and sit through one of our classes. Uh, thanks again for uh, enlightening us about how we deal with uh, millennials in the marketplace. Scott, why don't you take it away?
0: Thanks for listening. This program is the property of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, Inc. The show may be distributed only with written permission and then only in its entirety. If you have any questions or comments, contact Mike at Mike Roth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513 753 9400.